Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Stevenson. Our guest today is Roly Owers. He's the chief executive of World Horse Welfare. And what they do is they're an international horse charity that improves the lives of horses in the UK and around the world through their education, their campaigning and their hands-on care. The work that they do is truly humbling. For 90 years, this charity has been saving horses and Roly's here to tell us all about it. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm very excited to welcome the lovely Roly Owers, who is Chief Executive of World Horse Welfare. How are you, Roly? I'm really well, Amy. It's lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for joining us. The work, oh my goodness, we've been seeing what you're doing over this last year. It was just in- absolutely incredible. I mean, you're so active on Twitter and Facebook and social media. And it's nice for, for us amateur equestrians to be able to see see the great work that you do so can we can we start from the beginning then you've you've recently come back from quite an exciting trip where have you been i've literally just come back from hong kong where i was out at the animal transport association conference um transport was obviously the founding issue for world horse welfare um and how we can Often the focus of the of the conference was more about the transport of top end sport horses, but nevertheless, there's a huge read across to the transport of uh, long distance transport of horses to slaughter within Europe and indeed in other parts of the world. So it was a fascinating conference to be at, and obviously an issue that's very close to our heart. How did you first get involved with World Horse Welfare? Oh, it's a, a bit of a circuitous route, really. I, I had a stint with the charity back starting in '99, and there I was more involved on the fundraising side for the charity. But I, um, but I knew of the ILPH or the International League of Protection of Horses as, as we were because um, my parents um, rehomed a couple of little Shetlands for me ah. called Mary and Joseph. They truly were, <laughs> um, and um, so we had a long time association. And I know I was lucky enough to come back as chief executive back in 2008. Gosh, it's been a while then. It has been a while, it's, uh, and it's, but it's flown by. And I mean, I, I love the charity. Of course, I'm biased in saying that, but it's the variety of work that we do, but also what's very dear to my heart, and I know it's dear to the, our founder, Ada Colesar, is that there was a, is a really desperate need to have a, a voice for equine welfare that's both passionate and caring, but also pragmatic and practical. It's pretty incredible. There are there are quite there are a lot of charities out there, and and it's very humbling to see people that are, are, are working so hard to help these horses. I mean, as an individual, 
we all try to do better for our horses and we all try to keep an eye out for, for horses that might be endangered. But I, I just find it immensely incredible that Ada, one person, has created a charity that is known all over the world and has such an important impact on horse welfare. How, how do you even go about doing something like that? Well, I suppose you keep the, the values of what Ada Cole established uh, as a charity, and that we keep that at our heart. And I have to say, it's something that keeps me awake at night is about how Ada Cole would view the charity if she was with us today. And I think it's a matter of keeping that that passionate but caring and practical sort of attitude in everything that we do, uh, accepting that, you know, there's limitations to how much we can do, but there's always more we can do in the future. And that's why having people's support is so vital for what we do. Any, everywhere from people rehoming uh, horses and ponies from us, ringing our welfare line, fundraising for us, being members, uh, indeed campaigning and volunteering for us. So there's a vast variety of ways that people can get engaged in our work. Do you find do you ever have times when, when you've, you're at home and you think gosh you're doing so much already but there's it's almost like there's always something else to do the list is endless it is and uh, it, you know the challenges are still there but we it's really important to reflect that the successes that we've had today and what we've been able to do ultimately to improve the lives of thousands of horses around the world but when you look forward sometimes it is daunting and that's why working in partnership is so important both with other sister charities uh, that we work with both in the UK and in our international work but also looking outside working with governments not only in the UK but around the world and especially internationally with development agencies the likes of Oxfam and Save the Children because actually having greater collaboration with those kind of organisations will really massively increase our reach and therefore massively increase the amount of horses we can have an impact on. Do you have any idea how many horses you've helped over the years I mean it must be hundreds of thousands it is it's it's a very difficult question to answer because we we have three different levels of our work the most hands-on is our is our rescue and rehoming work and there we've got 1700 horses around out in homes at the moment we're rehoming 200 to 350 every year um so you we you know with that would be tens of thousands but then through our international work you know we're helping up to 20,000 every year there and we want to expand that but of course through our campaigning work you know that what we've done for example around the European transport regulation we know that you know that that will have had an impact on hundreds of thousands if not millions so it's a different level of impact you have and, and you can get close to some horses that you can add to others but it's always obviously very much trying to do those things that you feel is going to have greatest impact uh, to improve the lives of horses. So what's happened with the oh it's, it's amazing what's happened with the changes of the transport then? Well I mean back in 2005 there was a new transport regulation and, and that had real improvements for example it brought partitions in you know most mm. animals most equines now can only be transported if they're partitions because we know a lot of the injuries that the, uh, um, horses faced on these long journeys was through injuries from other horses but sadly the current regulation has still got real issues it doesn't comply with the latest scientific evidence it's it's fairly unenforceable because there's no real journey limit so we still have a desperate need for a new transport regulation 
but we're not being idle whilst you know the commission drags its feet on that we've over the last couple of years we've produced guidance on um, assessing fitness for transport and watering of, of um, equines going by road so it's really important we keep being constructive and trying to improve the animals lives today but also having a, a view forward too to actually changing the regulation so we can have a better impact tomorrow so you, I, I'd imagine that you have about 200 people working for you. Um, I'd like to think that, you know, and a huge team to get all this done, but I'm sure it's not the case. Well, we, I mean, for, we have 115 working for the charity. That's full-time equivalents, but that is supported by a huge sort of band of supporters and volunteers um, and volunteers in all sorts of different, everything from our trustees across to, to those who support in our centres and um, at our trade stands and, and head office as well. So it, it's a real team effort. Of course, you know, people in, in the charity are hugely passionate about what we do. Um, but, you know, it isn't, we wouldn't be, would be nothing without our supporters. And that's why trying to recruit new supporters and this in our 90th anniversary year wow. is such an important focus for us. Mm. Well, it's not just a job, is it? I mean, it's your life when you, when you care that much about horses and, and you, you're, 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 you're not just working every day, you are literally saving animals, saving these horses. It's just incredible. I'm, I'm surprised you, ev any of you ever get any sleep. <laughs> well, it, it's a team. I mean, I, I come from a vet background and ridden all my life. And, you know, not everyone who's in, in the charity does ride. I mean, we, we have, especially in our international work, you know, actually looking at that development work is, is and that community-based approach is, is, is vital. So it's important to have, you know, people with all the different skills. But, you know, we do have a lot of horse-mad people too. <laughs> yeah, we need that. <laughs> so so what, what are your goals then? I, I should imagine, like any business, you set goals for the next year uh, what would you what are your target goals for this year well obviously a key target for us this year is to and it sounds I, I, I don't want to uh, apologize for it because it's so important for charities but we we have to recruit new supporters and in the current environment that's really really difficult uh, but we have a great story to tell and uh, we really can do more with more support so that is a, a real important target for us we have gone through a process of updating all our visitor centres at our four rescue and rehoming centres around the country in Norfolk, Somerset, Lancashire and Aberdeenshire. So we're very much looking to make great use of that, get more people into our centres so they can find out more about our work and hopefully get involved in our work. We are looking to expand our international work. We're currently wow. working in, in, in over 15 countries and we're looking to go up to 20. So that, that's very a, a key focus for us. What, and what we're do all... you do? Sorry, before we go on to the next point, what do you do in these other countries? So traditionally, we've, we've trained saddlers and farriers because the biggest welfare issues for uh, working equids, and there are over 100 million working equids, horses, ponies, donkeys and mules around the world, is around poor foot care and poor poor saddle in harness mm. and so that but we over the last few years we're developing these community-based programs that very much work with the community uh, to develop uh, better equine care and in so doing we're better supporting the families that depend on them for their very livelihood so 
we will go into communities work and try to identify people who are going to get involved with what we're doing identify who's doing the saddlery and the ferry already and provide them with training give them um, train vet, support the veterinary training as well if that's needed and also how best to feed their horses with what they got uh, locally available and that's a really key part of all these projects is sustainability it's being able to put things in place that are going to stand the test of time there's no point saying mm. we'll grow grass if they can't grow grass mm. um, because the, the environment doesn't allow for it so it's it's really important to, to, to that you come up with these practical solutions gosh i don't even know what to say to that really to be honest <laughs> slightly well, mesmerized by it <laughs> Well, it, I have to say it is mesmerising just to think that, you know, 100 million working equids. I mean, uh, uh, working, so horsepower is alive and working around the world today. And, and uh, the conservative estimates, that's around 1 billion people in the world today in 2017 rely on working equids for their very livelihoods. I, I, I find that a staggering figure. Mm. Um, and it's certainly something that drives us on, you know, when we're talking about the tens of thousands of working equines that we're, we're, we're helping, we need to do so much more because the need out there is so much more and i guess the idea then from what i can hear is that um they can continue you're not saying don't use horses because we hear a lot of you shouldn't use horses for work but what you're saying is just care for them in the right way and make sure they're looked after and then they can actually be an asset to families Absolutely. I mean, no, we're not here to say don't do that because these are absolutely, it's a win-win situation. If we can improve the welfare of these working animals, it will improve the health and welfare of the family that rely upon them. And we know that. But I think that's that actually goes to the heart of what World Horse Welfare is all about, because we accept that humans use horses for all sorts of different reasons, whether it be for uh, sport, for leisure, for therapy, for as a working animal, or indeed as a farm animal. But with that use comes responsibility. Mm. And it is fundamental on owners and carers who look after animals when we use them in this way to look after them responsibly. And so we, 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 that's very much the message we always push because it's not about banning and stopping. It's about improving and enhancing. Mm. I like to think that in the UK where we're based, um, we're, we're quite good with horse welfare and we do have a, we've, we've got lots of regulations in place yes some are broken and somehow we need to fix that maybe i don't know more more laws so that these people can be punished more um but ultimately all in all i think the uk are good horse owners um, and we want the best for them are there things that you take from the uk and then and then implement them abroad yeah there are and I, I think in one way i totally agree i mean over cruelty in the uk is is quite rare it does happen but it is quite rare but what is certainly a real issue in the uk and it's it's staggering you know as you say we are generally a nation of of animal lovers it's, there is a lot of ignorance flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's united healthcare insurance plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ever since the financial crash of 2008, um, equine ownership has become far more attainable. You can get a pony for five pounds from their local market and you know so people have come into equine ownership where they don't know about the very basics so ignorance is a huge issue um in the uk it's obviously a huge issue internationally as well so we are trying to work to 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 maximize our outputs on both levels and i think that whole issue of behavior change getting people to change their behavior and just use one example where things aren't great in the uk is you know the weight of our animals you know the amount of animals are, are obese overweight is simply unacceptable and i have to say it goes into competition showing ring too so i think and that's a behavior change people have come to use to seeing obese horses mm. um out and about and indeed that's why we first started our our right weight campaign because we found people ringing us up saying there's a thin horse in a field mm. um and actually when our field officers went out to them there wasn't a thin horse in the field it was just a right weight horse next to three very fat horses so um. it's all it's all about perception yeah, because that's like the other end of the scale, isn't it, really? That's the, we overlove our horse and we spoil them too much and we give them too much food. Now, ultimately, we're, we're killing them. My goodness, so many subjects for you to cover. <laughs> there are. But again, it's all coming back just to practical guidance to give people um, the, the, the ability to submit, make simple changes um, around what they're, and in this example, it's about what they're feeding them, how much they're rugging them, and also just trying to relate horses back to their natural environment. We've obviously taken them out of their natural environment and therefore mm. need to provide them with extra care but we can't forget where they've come from do you what do you work with local schools well not even local schools. do you work with schools we uh, through our centers we um some better than others um the problem with the school curriculum is it's so busy mm. um and so full that they really struggle uh to um to include much around um it, they are required to include something around animal welfare but the joy is when we get uh schools into our centers you can test out so much not least mm. their maths and how much you're feeding them and they're having to water them and, and so on it's, it's you know you can get them involved in so much but just seeing the interaction of children with with little ponies you know mm. and and these are children that possibly would never normally come in to interact with a, a little pony is, is is magical there's nothing nothing more magical it's fascinating i love seeing the, the kids with ponies and, and there is an idea that if you get the kids when they're young then they're educated enough so they become good horse owners when they're adults or or they they fight your corner more than anybody else i know because if children believe in something they'll make sure they tell everybody that they believe in it but our other issue is is how do we how do we target if that's the right word the adults and how do we make sure that they're educated because when I you know I'll be very honest with you when I first started doing these podcasts it was purely because I was searching for education and information about how to be a good horse owner and and 
When you know where to look, there's loads of information out there. But until that point, as an adult coming into the horse world, I was lost. So that's why we've put an education hub on Horse Hour, as much information in one place to make it accessible. But how on earth do you target those people that don't know where to look? Absolutely. And, and that's what you do a brilliant job at Horse Hour because that education hub is so much needed. But there's two challenges with education. It's one is to get people to recognise that they need educating. And there is a bit of resistance to that. Um, and secondly, as you say, once people feel that they need to go and look, look where, where do they look? And of course, if you go on to Dr. Google, you can go 100 million different ways <laughs> and, and you, people just end up confused. So I think there, there is a real challenge to provide credible practice advice but also it's got to be realistic there's no point sort of um expecting people to build expensive facilities uh, to care for their animals because many times they can't and they don't need them so it's really important that we we provide uh, practical advice and i think as a sector we are getting better at speaking with one voice mm-hmm. um, but we've still got a long way to go What are your thoughts on a license for animals, a horse license, where you have to either do a test, it doesn't have to cost anything, but some form of of certificate that says you've learnt the basics? I think there's a great attraction to it, and I totally understand that. I just, um, I think when I came into this job um, eight years ago, my mantra was probably more regulation, not less. And probably now I'm more about less regulation, not more. And I say that for two reasons. One is because actually regulation is you need it and you need it as a backstop to be able to to have some stick if people aren't caring for their animals but we've got to do more about convincing people through the behavior change to actually do the right thing in the first place secondly in this modern world that we live in and post the financial crash regulation is fine but it's useless without enforcement um and we know that local authorities are under huge financial pressure who are responsible, for example, for enforcing the Animal Welfare Act. So I think it's a matter of the sector doing more itself. And I think, especially in places like livery yards, you know, over 50% of our animals are kept in livery yards. That's a wonderful opportunity to support people. But we do know that actually the peer pressure through the um, sort of horse friends and equine friends and, and, and through um, uh, yards as well can often mean people are making the wrong decisions and so Mm. we've got to work more collectively and good examples about that when people are are making a really tough decision about having their animal put to sleep it's a really difficult decision to make but it's very easy to delay and defer and 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 we all too often see that because people feel that um, their friends are saying it's the wrong thing to do Mm. the best person who knows about how to care for their animal is that owner themselves and their vets and that that's that's the voices they should be listening to so how on earth do we do that then and and, and kind of prov- try and prevent this peer pressure and and almost sometimes bullying tactics yeah yeah and you, that i guess is where the world of social media comes in in part uh, because it can be a huge force for good but we know it can also be a great force for the negative as well and a lot of it goes on through that but i think it's more about just giving people the confidence um a lot of people don't feel that they they have the knowledge or the know-how 
or that, that they they feel they need to ask people who who may be not giving them the right advice. So I think it's through education, through awareness, and through getting to, to as you say, to get to them to be able to find out where this information is in a clearer way that gives people confidence to make the right decisions. It's a it's a never ending task, and it will go on forever more. But I think we can make a lot a much better fist of it than we are at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope so. I really hope so. The most fascinating thing I've learned this year is that people genuinely want to learn, but they they, they feel afraid to ask the questions. Yeah. And yeah. since you open up that communication and say, it's okay to talk about these things, you know, mm. if you have problems, the, these are a few answers that you could have. They, they lap it up like a sponge straight away. Yeah. And that was nice. You know, I, I think of 10 people that I know personally, each of them individually, individual horse owners three years ago would never ask questions and would just kind of go along with what they've always been doing now each of them have changed something and i just think that's remarkable i i couldn't agree more i think it was my granny who always said to me there are no stupid questions just stupid answers so i think it is really important people we give give them the the confidence to say um to to ask those sometimes basic questions but it doesn't matter because you know the the more basic the better you know because the greater impact they'll have but and we need to get people to understand better but actually we want people to do that more and not to sneer at them when they do so Mm. well now i would like to come and work for you I will. <laughs> <laughs> because this place looks amazing and I want to do more. But obviously I can't because we have horse hour. However, what can we do to help? Like how can we, do you need volunteers? Obviously you always need cash, that's obvious. But what what can we do to really help? Well, where could I start? I mean, you're absolutely right. Clearly as a charity, we need to, to fundraise. And so people can, um, and this, this year we've got a, a lot of exciting initiatives around our 90th anniversary, Invest 9 pounds raise 90 the morning feed where people can hold like a coffee morning on their yard and the idea is people sort of bake sort of carrot cakes or oat flapjacks so they've got an equine sort of relation to, to, to what they're, they're putting together they can run marathons so there's all sorts of ways of raising money for world source welfare um so there's lots of different ways of, uh, for, for raising funds and obviously becoming a member of, of world source welfare so that that'd be brilliant Rehoming is fundamental to what we do in Britain. We have to rehome north of 300 every year. So getting people to either think about rehoming if they're if they're looking at buying a horse or suggesting it to a friend or a colleague who's doing so. So that is really important. We've we've got some great horses and ponies and your donkey ready for rehoming. So so please and that's on our website and you can and it's all up on the website and you can give us a call. Um, we are founded as a campaigning organisation and we'll be running a series of campaigns across this year, certainly around our ongoing campaign to get cctv into into equine slaughterhouses um and 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 many other things this year so again through our website we'll be promoting that and volunteering we people can volunteer through our four centers uh, out at our trade stands at our head office or at events we run we're running a series of events this year for example we're so lucky to have a, a garden at chelsea flower show in may oh, really? uh, wow. yeah we've been We've been sponsored to do it. And so it'll be a wonderful way of getting our name and, and the work we do out to a much wider audience. So there are lots and lots of different ways of getting involved with the charity. And, uh, and we would sort of ask anyone who's got any interest to, to either look on our website or through our Facebook page or 
or Twitter account, which are very, very active too. So it, it, it's lots and lots, and it's a lot of fun. And it, hopefully, and people will meet some some like minded people and, and and make some lifelong friendships at the same time. What is your website, Rowley? It's uh, www.worldhorsewelfare.org. Org. So um, couldn't be simpler. Easy. And and how can we follow you on Twitter? What's your Twitter handle? It's at Horse Charity. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for for letting us into your world today, and uh, and I, I'll be looking at doing the morning feed, um, and trying to raise a bit of money Brilliant. as well. And and anything that we can do to to help and support you, we'd absolutely love to. So thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Amy. That's really kind of you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you're listening on iTunes or Acast, then would you mind just hitting the subscribe button? Because then it means that you won't miss any future episodes. And also, if there's any previous episodes, you can scroll down and listen to them. I think we've recorded over 150 now. So there's quite a few episodes to get through on different things from veterinary advice to Olympic medalists. So there's lots for you to, to get your ear into and hopefully learn something from as well. I know that I've certainly learned a lot whilst doing these podcasts and it's fascinating there's so much education out there you can also catch up with previous episodes on our website just head to horsehour.co.uk and there's our education hub too so if there's a problem that you have with your horse at the moment then you'll probably be able to find the answer or even a little bit of help via our website while you're there why not pop in your email address because then it means that i can send you some freebies some competitions and anything extra that we have going on i mean in two weeks we're going to be at the national dressage championships at Hartbury college and hopefully we'll be speaking to some riders creating some backstage videos for you and i'd really hate for you to miss any of that so if you do get time to pop in your email address that would be great thank you so much for listening and thank you for sharing your stories with your horse on instagram facebook and twitter you can always tag us i'm at amy stevenson one horse hour is at horse hour i hope you have a good week with your horse and i'll speak to you soon you've been listening to horse hour join the community on twitter mondays 8 p.m uk time 3 p.m eastern by using the hashtag horse hour follow amy at amy stevenson one and subscribe to us on acast itunes stitcher and player fm Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.